Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer, whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a feisty and formidable life. So seatbelts on, boys and girls. Today we've got an amazing conversation with Ray Martin, also known as Old Man Skin and Bones. Ray is on a mission to save others from what he went through. Heart disease, expensive and unnecessary and potentially harmful medical care, and a really bad case of the if I'd only knowns. I met Ray through the Missing Chins Run Club, and the first rule of the Missing Chins Run Club is tell everybody in the Missing Chins Run Club how much you ran today. And I was instantly charmed by Ray's passion, his energy, his sense of humor, and his fierce determination to spare others from his fate. He really sees the other members as brothers and takes responsibility for their health outcomes in every way he can, posting his runs, posting pictures of himself on his hospital in his hospital bed after triple bypass surgery, posting pictures of himself now, uh, four years later. And the before and after pictures that accompany this podcast episode at plantyourself.com slash 339 say it all. So you definitely want to check out the show notes. Again, that's plantyourself.com slash 339. Because in October 2015, Ray came out of triple bypass surgery, barely alive, but ready to change his life. And after discovering doctors, Esselstyn, McDougall and the rest and making a serious commitment to dietary change, he surprised, dropped the weight, improved his heart function and ended up with so much excess energy that he had to find something productive to do with it. And so the after photo shows Ray having finished the second leg of a hundred mile relay at 3 a.m., almost exactly three years to the day after his surgery, down from 240 pounds to 158 pounds. And you got to see the grin on his face and the life in his eyes. And there's also we also talk about um, his travails in the medical system and how it nearly bankrupted him and how some bad decisions by doctors and not giving asking his opinion and not teaching him about the power of plants really cost him a lot of money that he's still paying in some cases in some senses this is not a happy story but of course the the main plot line is just exuberant energy health and gratitude for the second chance he's been given so if ray's story of chunky kid from lubbock turning into a plant 
plant-based athlete and crusader doesn't get you off the couch and into the crudite, I don't know what will. Before we get there, two quick announcements. First one is Josh Lajani and I are holding a health retreat, a private small group invitation only event in North Carolina near the RDU airport from November 14th through 17th. And if you're interested in that, hit me up with an email. We don't have anything out publicly yet. It's, it's just uh, hj at plantyourself.com. The cost will be, including lodging, uh, 850 for an individual, 1250 for a couple. And we'll be talking very shortly about what we're planning to do during those magical two and a half days. Second thing is Kevin Davis and I are going to be offering another run of the Wellstart Health Coach training program starting in November. If you want to find out about that, how to become a great health coach, wellstartcoach.com. All right, that's out of the way. Let's get to the main event. Without further ado, Ray Martin, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, so who are you? <laughs> well, um, born Earl Ray Martin and um, grew up in the cotton fields around the city of Lubbock, Texas. Uh, if you've never heard of that, they do have a football team called the Red Raiders. Uh, a lot of people enjoy that. But I uh, grew up out there. Um, Went to college in the uh, Metroplex area between Dallas and Fort Worth uh, from 79 to 82. Uh, traveled the world quite a bit for a number of years. Uh, ended up back here. Uh, married me a Fort Worth girl. And, and uh, we're, we're back out here in the uh, Metroplex area, but not real close. We don't like that traffic. We like a little bit of a calm and and peaceful. I'm 64 years old, uh, retired a couple of years ago. Uh, I have a little part-time job to give my wife a few hours of peace during the week. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, that's kind of who I am. I had a heart attack. I mean, you're ready to get into that. Yeah, yeah. So for people who are, who are watching the YouTube, you're, um, you're, you're not a heavy guy right now. Well, you're, um, uh, you're, you're, I know you're, um, your moniker is Old Man Skin and Bones, right? Is that, is that your website? That's right. Um, kind of a funny story how that got started. Um, Howard, when, when I had lived and, and worked around the Lubbock area here a number of years ago, uh, about now, I guess about nine years ago, um, I did a lot of driving. And, you know, I had this idea that to keep myself alert on the road, I needed to be drinking something and eating snacks, okay? Well, convenience stores were my stop, and uh, I ate junk food and drank a lot of colas, and I blossomed up to about 240 pounds, the heaviest I've ever been. And then I had a heart attack October um, the 5th, no, actually October the 1st, 2015, and uh, about... Seven days later, I came back from the hospital with a triple bypass and uh, a few days to sit around and watch videos like uh, Dr. Uh, McDougal mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. Caldwell B. Esselstyn. We watched a movie called Forks Over Knives, and uh, I had been gently leaning toward a, uh, a better way of eating up to that point, but... Uh, when I got home with that eight-inch scar on the chest and all of that, I decided that there was no more playing around. Uh, went whole food, plant-based. We we got rid of the olive oil out of the kitchen. 
uh, got rid of the salt shaker, uh, got rid of the sugar. And for me, that was a really big deal, a really big deal, mm. sugarholic. Anyway, I was at 240. I'm, uh, I got lost down to 158. And uh, I eat like a crazy man who's hungry and starving. But it's all <laughs> the, it's all those things like the, the dark leafy green vegetables that uh, you can eat all you want and get all that nourishment. And uh, you don't yeah. have to worry about being fat. Hey, uh, so- I, I was getting close to size 40 pants, okay? And now I'm wearing size 30. And if I don't wear a belt, my wife complains because, of, you know, they start looking saggy and stuff like that. I, uh-huh. I can't remember ever wearing size 30 anything. Uh-huh. Wow. So, been a big change. And I didn't do any exercising uh, outside of just that rehab that the hospital wanted me to do the days after the surgery. And, uh, you know, I got discouraged with all of that, but I was really excited about the food. And uh, for almost two and a half years, I didn't do anything. But then I felt like I needed to start doing something I wanted to. And uh, so I started working on the treadmill a little bit. My wife told me about a 5K. I was like, oh, my gosh, can I do a 5K? And so I entered on a Wednesday. On Saturday, I did my first 5K and got my third place medal. Wait, so this was like this week? Oh no 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 no! That's oh. been that's been oh. like seventeen months ago now. Oh okay. Yeah, so, it's almost, okay. almost almost four years since gotcha. my heart attack and surgery. Gotcha. So let's let's. I want to kind of slow this down, freeze frame it a little bit. So you were doing a lot of driving, um, and eating. I assume the yeah. way the way you know, I, were you like driving a truck, like a commercial rig, or just like running a lot of errands? No. I was delivering car parts uh, within 100 miles of the city of Lubbock and uh, visiting clients, you know, for the auto parts place, delivering parts, eating a whole uh, bunch of snack food stuff and uh, drinking a whole bunch of colas. Right. Okay. Um, and and yeah. eating a lot, too, man. I, bef- You know, I had tons of food. Yeah. So knowing, knowing that you're size 30, that you're 158, you're, you're essentially a skinny guy, right? You're You're – like, yeah. Were you when you were young? Like, was that your your experience and your identity? Oh, no. no, I was the second born of four children. I always received the hand me downs from my taller brother and grandmother always sent Christmas from uh, from where they lived. And it was always husky sized jeans. OK, because I was always kind of chubby. I was always the one they picked on for being so fat. You know, mm. and, and it was it was husky size. You know, I wasn't really obese at that time. But yeah, I've always been kind of short and portly, silly say, but not mm. now. Not I, now, man. I see. And up until before your heart attack, you were 240 pounds. That's a lot. You know, it's like yeah. 80, 80, 82 extra pounds you were carrying. Did that bother you? It did. I, I just. You know, I grew up even in, in elementary school thinking, yeah, but everybody likes the fat guy. You know, all the girls loved me. I was the fat little brother they all didn't have, you know, and I knew that and it bothered me. But I was always able to be silly and tell jokes and be the funny guy, you know, but I didn't mm-hmm. like it. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't like it. Uh, was it I sure- yeah, was there anything that you felt like it was keeping you from? Like you wanted to, like, you know, run or hike or 
It was yeah. it was just sort of you know, a, when, an identity that you weren't fond of. Yeah, you know, in high school back out there in that part of Texas, uh, went to a really small town high school. Uh, I played football, and that was probably my identity. But you put those pads on, and you know, it it you you hide behind that and the helmet. And I think I hid behind a lot of things other than a helmet and football equipment. Um, mm. Yeah, but you know. I was a little bit bashful in those days, too. You wouldn't believe that now. But, uh, you know, I was kind of – girls kind of scared me. Man, man I, I sure did like them, but I was afraid <laughs> to really get too close to them, you know. Uh-huh. And plus, so, I, didn't, I didn't know if they'd like a chubby guy like me, you know. Uh-huh. Well, so, I mean, I hear two different things. Like, you're not sure if the girls would like you, and yet you were their favorite. I guess the weight was a way to be safe around them. That's to- exactly – yeah. They were they, – they, they weren't worried about the little – the guy who was uh what do they call that the, the friend forever you know the little brother kind of syndrome thing uh-huh. yeah you know yeah it was terrible i didn't like it howard uh-huh. <laughs> i wanted to be the you know the clark gable uh-huh. you know what i'm saying but shh, that wasn't happening back then you know sure. anyway sure all right <laughs> so so you're you're Delivering auto parts, you're eating, living on convenience store sodas yeah, and snacks, yeah. and you had a heart attack. What What was your experience of a heart attack? Well, I had eaten a plum, and I, I'd gone to bed probably about 9 o'clock on a Thursday night, and I woke up about 45 minutes later, and I just – I had this pain in my back, you know, kind of like deep in my shoulder over here, and I thought, I shouldn't have eaten that plum. It was too far gone. So I, you know, went back to sleep. I woke up a few minutes later, and it kept going on and on throughout the night. And finally, my wife she said, "I'm either going to send you to the doctor, call an ambulance, or you need to to get rid of whatever's made you sick." Hmm. So about two o'clock in the morning, I tried to, you know, purge myself of 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 the bad food, which there was nothing there. So the next morning, about six thirty, I woke up and still felt like somebody just taking a stick and just beat me all night long. But I went to work, and with my uh, cousin, we loaded, I believe it was 28 battery cores in the back of his pickup. We took them to the warehouse. We unloaded them, wrapped them, and got them ready for shipping out. Went and ate a lunch. Now, I got all vegetables that day because I was trying to be a good boy. But then I didn't feel like eating it. Went ahead and made about a 100-mile delivery, came back, and at 4.30 in the afternoon, that other the next afternoon, my wife came home, and she said, I cannot believe you didn't go to the doctor. And I said, we're going now if you'll drive me. She said, you're right, we're going. She said, you're about as gray as you can look. You look awful. So I said, let's go to the 24-hour clinic in Lovell. So we drive in there and I said, I think I've got bad indigestion. And there's having me fill out some papers. And they came back and said, we need those papers back. And you need to go to the hospital because we think you're having a heart attack. Oh, so what, what, said, let them, what, what tipped them off? They didn't take any blood tests. I think they took my blood pressure and they looked at me. They talked to my wife and heard what had happened. And they said, we can't help you here. So when they sent me to the ER, there were a lot of people waiting to get in. Okay. But they kind of like said, Mr. Martin, come on in. And they, they put me in. They took some blood, EKG, some other tests. And then they said, if you wouldn't mind, we'd like for you to put on this gown and come into this room. And then this doctor came in and she said that the, the, the 
blood test, the EKG, everything says you're having heart attacks. And we think, yeah, yeah. And so um, I said, I didn't come in here for heart attacks, lady. I came in here for some industrial strength indigestion stuff. She said, did you come in here to be funny or did you come in here to get help? And I said, okay. So I zipped it up. (laughs) So go to sleep, you know, get up the next morning. They've got me in the little room for stents, okay? They said, we'll have you home in a day or two, okay? We're going to put stents in there. So I kid you not, Howard, I was in there awake, you know, of course I was numb where they were doing the entry thing and he said up oh, back it out and so this guy up send him back to his room it's 95 percent blocked on the first one we tried to go through we can't do it so they go back so just just to, uh, you know so so the idea of the stent was that they were there was a what in the aorta or that they were going to that they were just going to like put a little balloon in to yeah. kind of let the blood flow more freely to the heart or right. from, yeah for from and, the and, heart and they and the guy said that was it's too blocked. We can't put a stent. It's useless. Send him back to his room. So then later on, when the cardiologist came in, he said we're going to plan a triple bypass on Monday morning, and it's probably going to be a double, more than likely a triple, and possibly a quadruple. I said okay, and he said now we're going to wait. This is Saturday morning early. We're going to wait till Monday about 11 o'clock unless you're a bad boy and we have to call in the whole crew and mess up their weekend. So you better be a good boy because you don't want an upset crew in here doing your bypass. Well, I thought, okay, that was humorous, but I don't think it was, Howard. So what was he talking about? They weren't going to do a bypass, even though I needed one until... Two and a half days later, yeah. But if you if you have another heart attack, Ray, and we have to call in an emergency surgery crew, we will. So, is there and, something they wanted you to do or not do to be a good boy, or was he just sort of? I think they wanted me to be peaceful. Calm. So, and, yeah. So peaceful. I mean, what what did you, you came in for indigestion medicine? You ignored you ignored it for a full day. You had to be dragged there by your wife. You went to. A, a 24-hour clinic that's used to handing out Prilosec, and yeah. and you find out you're ha- you're having heart attacks and you need a triple or quadruple bypass. What did you make yeah. it? What did you make of that in the moment? I, was, <laughs> I think I was scared, almost speechless. Now I recall, and I've tried to be sure that I'm clear about this. She said, in in Friday night, the nurse who asked me if I wanted to be funny or get help. She said, tomorrow morning, we're going to put stents in. We're going to try to put stents in. When the cardiologist came in the next day after the stents failed, he said, we're going to do a, a bypass. Okay, I signed the papers, Howard, but I never was asked or I was never presented the opportunity. We're going to do stents or you could change this with your diet and lifestyle cardiologist come in the next day he said we're going to do a bypass on monday probably triple maybe a quadruple he never said or you can change this by your diet so i had uh, never 
I had you, never heard of that stuff. Yeah. You know? Did you did you think it? I mean, looking back now, do you think it was because you were in such a case, an emergent case that you that the diet wouldn't have helped at that point? Or do you think it was ignorance on their part or some combination? I'm not going to use the word criminal right here, although I've read it and heard it read on audible books concerning bypass and stents. I'm not going to use the word criminal. Uh -huh. I'm going to say <laughs> I just did. OK, Howard. They didn't have time. They they had other people to go see. OK, I don't know what they were doing on Saturday and Sunday. I don't know if they get the weekends off. I don't even remember if Texas Tech was playing a football game that weekend <laughs> or the Cowboys. I don't care. You know, I was never given the opportunity. I was never educated. I was never able to make a wise decision based upon what options were. I was told Saturday morning there would be stents. Monday there would be a triple bypass. Sign these papers. Hmm. I signed them, Howard. I was scared. I didn't want to die. I Was I afraid? No. At no time, my wife and I, Betty, uh, Betty, my wife, and I have both repeatedly told each other, I never was in fear that you would die. I, and I wasn't in fear of dying either. But Howard, when I woke up, after that surgery and, and came back off the submarine, and that's another story. We probably should tell the submarine story another day. But when I woke up, got off the anesthesia enough to, to know what was going on here, I'm going to tell you, I cussed better than any sailor on a sailing ship at sea or at dock when I first got up out of that bed and then tried to get back in that bed the first time. I put every sailor to shame because it hurts so bad. Of course, then I apologized to everybody, and they said, ah, we're used to that stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Howard, if it was such a critical thing, why did they put me off till the next morning to do the stand attempt, and then two and a half days later to do the bypass? I don't know. Now, I will say this. For the benefit of that, that hospital in Lubbock, Texas, as far as I can tell, the success of the mechanical part of what they did pre, you know, for actual taking care of a guy going to go in and they're going to do the bypass. I guess, I guess I probably received some of the best medical treatment for the transaction of a bypass that was possible in the world at that time and probably still today. The team was excellent. I wanted to be a nurse when I left there five days later because they were so good to me mm. as, you know, after the bypass. But the failure that really kind of, if you can't tell, it gets me a little bit upset, is that they never gave me an educated basis to make my choice. I was just kind of told what to do, and I just signed the papers. Howard, I didn't know I had an option. Mm. I wonder, do you think part of it was just sort of they're looking at you and they're dismissing you, that they have a prejudgment about the kind of person you are and the likelihood that you'd be open to it? You know, like Texas work auto parts, like, you know, yeah. like this guy is not he's not going to start yeah. eating his greens. Nah, they probably thought that I would imagine that they sat around in the break room and said, yeah, I tried to tell this guy he had an option and he laughed me off my off my stand. You know, I don't doubt that. 
But I've seen too many people that are, are they're scheduled for bypasses and you can see them in the reports and their pictures and their testimonies of they got online. You know, they got their little laptop there in the hospital and they looked everything up. And when they came in and said, OK, let's start getting ready for the bypass. And you said, no, I'm not going to take it. I watched a video this morning for, um, from a CNN report. Oh, my gosh, of all things, a CNN report with Sanjay Gupta, the doctor guy. Um, and there was a gal that said, I'm not going to do this bypass. And she went to see Dr. Esselstyn. And, and lo and behold, you know, at the end of that time, uh, she was just rocking and rolling, just doing fine, jumping rope, eating her vegetables. And they told her she needed a bypass. And apparently she seemed to have been more critical than I was. I've seen people that have gone in maybe more critical than me, you know, and I see their reports and they got over it with the plants. I think now the power of the plants could have cured me. Okay, water under the bridge. I'm going to be paying my part of that hospital bill for 15 total years after the day that they first sent me the first bill. 15 years, Howard. And, and I didn't have a choice. Okay, Ray, you might have died. You know what? That's all, bridge, that's, that's all bridges under the water and water under the bridge. But the thing about it is, is people need to be told they have a chance. Do you want to hear? At least tell them that. At least give them this little bitty five-minute video that says, look at these people who decided to do the plants. Mm. I'm telling you what, I believe in the power of the plants. Howard, I'm planning I'm planning a marathon in 2065. You're invited to all I'll give you a free pass at the gate, okay? <laughs> but I, I want to be 110 years old in 2065 and at least be there to sponsor a marathon, maybe a triathlon. Because <laughs> you know what? They may have bicycles with training wheels on them that I can drive. If I'm not able to do it, just the two wheels. I'm I'm serious. I want to see, I want to be here. I want to see what happens. And I want to be a voice to the people who are eating themselves into a chronic disease. And the most of them at this time in our, the history of our country, they're headed for heart disease. And they're probably going to end up as one of those wonderful livestock that brings in the revenue for the people doing the bypass surgeries that might not have been necessary if they'd have told the people but you could change your lifestyle, begin to eat plants and let them have their way with you and clean that heart attack away out of your life and at least keep you from having any more. It's been almost four years, Howard. This October 1st, it will be four years since I had that heart attack. And I feel better than I ever have. The only thing I ever ran before 2018 when I ran that first 5k on March 22nd 2018 my first official 5k the only thing I had ever run up to that point was my mouth <laughs> me me be a runner oh I don't think so now I ain't gonna happen okay. but so yeah yeah so you didn't get any education they just nope. they kind of came in and did it and it's and it sounds like that when you entered and you made this, the little joke about you know, wanting uh, something for indigestion that what you internalized when she asked you if you wanted to get, you know, make jokes or get well, you would you said, you know, zip it like you internalized that you have no agency here. You're I you're thought, you're on the conveyor belt. You want to be silly or do you come in here to get well? That's how I felt. I felt like mm -hmm. I was on the other end of that finger. Mm -hmm. 
and and maybe, and maybe talking about diet would have would have they would have felt that was silly too. <laughs> you know what, Howard? At that point, I might have thought it was silly. Yeah. But I never had the chance. I never had the chance to know. Yeah. I never had the chance to know. So when did so when did you like you said like that day you had a plum you were you were supposed to eat vegetables the next day like there was there was some awareness in you that you wanted to make some changes right There was when I got home and I watched a full length video with uh, John McDougal on YouTube and. Um, I also watched an hour and 47 minute YouTube video of an actual triple bypass, which I understood were the same three arteries bypassed that I had. And I was I was shocked. Usually I pass out when somebody just shows me a needle, you know, not let alone a bypass. Um, and by the way, Howard, they went into four places on my legs to find enough material to sew together to do a triple bypass. Those were also the most painful part of the surgery. I, so what, I, almost, I almost couldn't wear pants forever. They used the material that was part of the arterial system that needed a bypass to repair the, the damage. You see what I'm saying? They used... They use less than wonderful material out of my arterial system hmm. to lay as the bypasses over my heart. Right. So it's take it's taking the it's taking taking the rear tires and moving them to the front, but the rear tires have been treated just Perfect. as just as bad. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And so then, you know, here I am a few months later, and I'm reading a report that says, you know, there's so much success now with bypass, it's being so successful. But then at 10 years, they just seem to fall apart. Hmm. They also didn't tell me, I, okay, call me silly if you want to, Howard, I don't care. The thing about it is, for some reason, I thought they fixed me at that time. When I was in the hospital, I thought, well, gee, I'm doing pretty good. I, they fixed me. No. You know, the general bypass seems to start breaking down and sometimes critically at 10 years. They don't really know why. I've got an opinion. I think it's maybe those rear tires were never meant to be front tires. The veins were never meant to be arteries. I, I could be wrong. That's just my supposition. I don't know. But, you know, I've thought a lot. I, and I am I am grateful for what happened. You know, the scar is not that ugly. I mean, it's not that big a deal. It's still it's just pretty crazy every once in a while. But I could have, you know, I could have died. Yeah. You know, I could have. My favorite food up to that point was a convenience store chain who had two for a dollar fried bean burritos in horrible oil. It kind of mm. got to be tasty, I guess. And the corn dogs, two for a dollar. Mm, good I, deal. Yeah, I may have I may have gone back to still eating that stuff. I, and and I also learned this, Howard. After a bypass or stents, the average the, there's a huge number of those recipients of those treatments who return for more stents or more bypasses within three years or sooner. How many bypasses do you think I want to go back through? None. 
How many stints do I want to have placed? And I just want to say in my own personal opinion, Howard, in my personal opinion, the best thing that happened to me in those days at that hospital was that the stint placement failed. From what I've learned, I do not want stints anywhere in here. Mm-hmm. If if something happens and they have to go back in, say, at 10 years and replace something, well, I'm going to give them some veins they can do some more bypasses with that'll be in a lot better shape than they were back in 2015. I'll guarantee you that because mm-hmm. after I saw those McDougal videos, those Esselstyn videos, uh, Forks Over Knives, T. Colin Campbell's, I read uh, his book, The China Study. Um, I think like eight times. I've read his book whole at least five times. Yeah, um, I hear that's a good book. Uh, it's, yeah, some incredible work went into that. <laughs> and, and, and I promise you, the last time I listened to that was about eight weeks ago. It was like I would, I'd, and I, you know, I've got the book as well as the auto, audio version. And I'd look at that and I'd, where, how did I miss that the first time? Boy, I'd mark it up and I'd make memes and put it on Facebook, you know. <laughs> You know, and I'm just like trying to get the word out there. Man, Howard, if you need me to calm down, just say so. But I had one of my running running buddies, Todd Monell, say the other day. He said, Ray, when you, when you have people complain about you going on and on about the plants, the plants, the power of the plants, the whole food plant base, when you have people complaining about that, Remember, he said, I would rather know that I could say, I told you so as the sender, okay, rather than the person out there saying, gee, I wished you would have said something. Mm. Look at the difference in those. I would rather know that I would be able to say, I told you so rather than have them look back at me and say, I wish you had said something. Mm. I just, I got to say something, Howard. I got to tell as many people as possible. You know, you have a choice. You have a choice. There is power in the plant. And you can, you've got, you've got control of your health right here in your fork. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, if you don't mind telling how much it cost the uh, the bypass that you'll be paying for for a decade. I never got a final bill. As the last time I stood there in person, I had them tell me again, there are five other offices that have to send us the final bill before we can tell you what your final bill is. Well, we've moved from there almost two and a half years ago, okay? And and when we moved to where we live now, just west of Fort Worth, I wrote them and I called them on the phone and I said, hey, I said, I've, I've retired now and I'm not making much money and uh, I'm sending you more than 10% of what I make every month. And they said, you made an agreement to pay X amount per month, and if you don't send that payment, we will send the, the, the bill collectors after you and look for filing charges. I said, I'll be giving you more than I would if I tithed my income to Jesus. They said, well, we ain't church, we ain't Jesus, and you better send us your payment. Guess what? 
I don't want to mess up the wife's credit, so I still send it to him. <laughs> I don't know, Howard. I don't know. You have a, a rough guess within within fifty thousand dollars, Howard. I'm gonna, I'm just going to guess maybe four hundred thousand. I don't know why. That's just kind of yeah. I'd sit around one night. I, I get real fearful when I start looking at that kind of stuff. My mm. wife's a bookkeeper, you know. Mm. I'm, I'm the good looks and humor in this relationship. Okay, she's the brains. Uh -huh. <laughs> so. I don't know, Howard. I honestly don't know. And she keeps telling me, Ray, you need to call them. You need to go and sit down because we know of a, a close acquaintance who thought they had paid off their hospital bill after four or five years. They got this person banging on their front door who was a bill collector coming to repossess everything because they never paid the last $2,000. And and my wife said, Ray, we can't have that happen. And you know, I really do know I should go take care of it, but I'm just hoping I can, you know, be quiet, yeah. pay them off, and maybe they'll never well, knock them. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a, a line by Peter Gochi, who's the the founder of the Cochrane collaborate, collaboration, um, medical researcher. He he wrote a book called something like you know, organized crime and organized medicine, something like that. And he said that like the medical industry is worse than the than the mafia because. The, you know, like the mafia, you know, they just they just hurt you. The medical profession hurts you and then they expect you to pay them for it. I'm not afraid of a black helicopter landing just above the fence line in my backyard and me being confiscated and carried off. And my wife never sees me again. I've got a policy that will pay for my burial. I have used the word medical mafia. And. In reference to the the treatment that I disagree with so much by the medical community, and I've got dear, dear family who are in the medical profession, and they love their business, and I love them, and I love what they do, but there is a problem with it, and I have used the phrase medical, um, that we are nothing to the medical community except livestock. Livestock, Howard, that's what I felt like. I felt like livestock. And you understand that concept. I grew up out there around a lot of feedlots in the Lubbock region and uh, driving back and forth during college. And, man, you can smell them a long time before you get there. And the livestock, it's a horror. But I feel like that the American public is livestock. So mm. I've used the word livestock and mafia. It's on Facebook somewhere. If I could find it again, I'd show you. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah, so let's, yeah, let's go, let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back to you came home. You're in tremendous pain. Um, you're now in tremendous debt. What was the moment where you decided that you were going to look, look things up for yourself? Because in a certain in a certain way, I feel like you made an investment in them. Like now to go do this research, it's almost implicating yourself as, yeah. you know, as having been duped, which is really hard for people to do. Yeah. And what, that's a good what, word. What's that's the, a good word. What's too. the you know what 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 was the moment at which you began looking for other answers? My youngest son is a uh, emergency room nurse in a suburb of Seattle, Washington, and he had met with me a few months prior to my my heart attack and surgery, and we were going on a dad 
and boy and his best friend boy camping trip we were going to be real men we were going to have a fire and we were going to burn meat over it and eat off the stick you know we were going to be hunters and providers and men you know he's in his last year of, of uh, nursing school and I hadn't seen him in several months and I'm unloading all this dead animal okay I've been saving this stuff for months for this carnivore trip Howard he starts unloading his car and he gets out a case of bananas a rice cooker what? a big deal of beans a big deal of rice and I said what are you doing he said I'm providing some some food for the for the meal did they turn you into a vegan when you're at college no he said I'm hungry and I'm poor and I, I want to get the best nutrition for the lowest cost huh. I said so you're eating this? And he said, I found a guy on the internet named John McDougal. And I thought, well, he sounds Irish. Sounds like a crook to me. And he said, no. He said, Dad, he said, I've researched it. Beans and taters and, and rice, it's the most healthy thing you can eat. And it's cheap. And I can eat a bunch of it. What about the bananas? He said, yeah, you know, it's great. Um, so... We had our camping trip, you know, but from that moment on, I, this name John McDougal was in the back of my mind. That was one of the first videos I watched when I got home from the surgery was I watched, and I'll bet you I watched that John McDougal video like seven or eight times a day. And then my, I told my son about it. I said, that John McDougal guy, I've watched his stuff. I said, that's incredible. And he, he said, oh, you got Netflix, right? And I said, yeah. He said, watch Forks Over Knives. And I said, Hey, Betty, we're going to watch Forks Over Knives. And we so, saw that. So your son, I, your son must, have been, must have been thrilled that you were listening to him. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, he was pretty excited. He's a big encouragement to, to me now. He bought me my, uh, my first GPS watch uh, for Father's Day in 2018, right after I did, not right before I did that first 5K. <clears throat> and... Uh, Boy, I tell you what, I fell in love with that watch and just went crazy. At Leadville this year, uh, we were doing the uh, the Leadville heavy half. And after it was over, he said, well, Dad, he said, tomorrow's Father's Day. I'm going to give you an upgrade on the watch. So I've, I've now got a Garmin Forerunner 935, and it's like, whoa. I, I think I just talked to the space station on this thing, you know. It tells me things about me that I don't even know yet. I do know that two weeks ago, my VO2 max was at 37. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not bad for an old guy like me. That's, that's not bad at all. So, you know, yeah, mm. my son had kind of led me the way a little bit. He planted some seeds. And boy, I tell you, I started taking care of those things and watering them. And uh, I was really shocked. And Howard <laughs> I wish somebody had told me something before the heart attack. Well, my son tried, but he also mm -hmm. wasn't forceful. I wished other people. I wished my doctors would have done it. I wish the people I lived with and worked with had said, hey, 
you see what I do? This is how I live. I don't live with the fear of chronic disease. I don't live with all those medications. I've got to go back in and they're just going to increase them next month. I never heard of anybody lowering their blood pressure medication. What were statin drugs? I didn't know what those were. By the way, I fired my cardiologist three months after the surgery. And I, it was almost two years before I went back to see any doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he laughed at me when I went back for my three month check checkup. He said, we're going to double your statins. What do you mean? Get off your blood pressure medication. You're never going to be off of it. You have heart disease. You will always be on these medications. I said, I've been, I've been studying and I'm eating nothing but vegetables and fruits and beans and rice now. He laughed at me in my face and said, what difference is that going to make? We don't know what caused your heart attack. How do you think that we can cure it by eating stuff? And I said, because I've seen where people have reversed their heart disease by eating fruits and vegetables and beans and rice and taters. And he said, ha ha, laughed at me twice. He never saw me anymore. Two weeks later, I was off all my medication. Now, Howard, I am not saying that's something anyone else should do. That is wrong. Do not take yourself off medication without a medical professional's help. Don't be dumb like I was. Uh. I, still, I don't even take baby aspirin. I take, I take beans and rice and taters and leafy greens, and I take a lot of fruit. I eat a lot of fruit. I don't do hungry either, Howard. You tell anybody that wants to know, I don't do hungry. I eat. <laughs> I eat and I eat. My wife says, are you going to eat all that? I said, well, I'm going to try. If I don't, I'll save it and finish it off later. <laughs> you, should, you should have seen the fruit I was eating those first few months back at work. So, yeah. So let me ask you about the <clears throat> the behavioral transition. So you see the McDougal video, you watch it religiously, you find out about Esselstyn, forks over knives. Yes, you're convinced. And it sounded like you just went 180, right? You just like how, what was the first day like like did you know like what am i going to eat now if it's if it's you know if it's not my uh, corn dogs and bean burritos and slab of steak on the on the <laughs> plate like what does food look like anymore I, at work it's all you know it's mostly guys okay and it's a warehouse setting we've all played football in high school and we're all real men there was a lot of, what, what, when are you going to start eating meat again? Uh-huh. I'm not. I don't plan on it. Why? You know, they were shocked. I was telling them in those very first days, beans and rice. If all I live on is beans and rice the rest of my life, I'll be healthier than I've ever been and richer. I'll have more money in my pocket, you know. And, and yeah. I said, no, yeah, I don't do the salt. Oh, before that, I was putting the salt on everything. You know, I just oh, had to salt up that bean fried burrito and all that stuff. I knew that I could I could live on beans and rice. I lived in South America for a few years a long time ago, and I knew that beans and rice could be made just delightful. And I believed at that time you could do it without adding hog jowl and uh, tons of salt to it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, boy, you know, I found that real quick. 
that was this guy online. His name was Fat Man Rants. Who was that guy? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> there, there was some wannabe that started trailing after him and tried to be a poser named Tim Kaufman that, that I finally found out years later, well, maybe months later, that that was Fat Man. One of the things I remember him saying early on was, if it's not tasty enough, add more spices. You can never add too many spices till it gets right. Okay, so I tried that. Beans and rice. I was just in love with beans and rice. And then I started throwing a bunch of salad in on it. And then I discovered turmeric, or turmeric, however y'all say it, um, that, that orange stuff. Man, I started putting that stuff on there. I started grinding my own flax seeds. Um, it just wasn't a problem. People say, how did you get motivation? There's a picture. My wife will never take a picture of anything. And she does not want to be in the picture either. Don't take a picture of her. But she took five pictures of me after they drug me back in that room after the, the, the recovery thing from surgery and took a panoramic one, two, three, four, five pictures. And I'm laying there with that tube going down the thing, you know, and I'm, I look like a bloated pig, actually. It was really kind of embarrassing. But she took five pictures of me. Anytime somebody says, well, how do you just get motivated to eat like that? I show them that picture and I don't even have to say anything, Howard. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not going back. I won't yeah. go back. Yeah, I've that. seen I've seen that picture on social media quite yeah. a few times. Yeah, I told her now I wish she had taken 50 rolls of film. You know, I said I could have used that now. But, <laughs> yeah, I'll use what I got. So it, was, it's, so, it's so it sounds like you just you just made the change. It was. <laughs> yeah. Howard. In 2008, I had a big, big scare, and I laid down a two-pack-a-day smoking habit, cold turkey. And, and a lot of that had to do with the $5,000 bill for a test that they made me take, thinking I was fixing to die of cancer. And the guy laughed at me, and he said, there ain't nothing there to worry about. You, you know, you're a smoker, but there's no tumors or anything. I went out, and I thought, wow, but now how am I going to pay this $5,000 bill that, that they just charged me for that? And I light up another cigarette, and I thought, well, that is just about the stupidest thing in the world. So I put it out. I've still got the same open pack of cigarettes, the same brand-new unopened carton of cigarettes, and all the lighters that I inherited from my dad. I still have all that stuff in a barrel out here behind the house in a shed. I kept it and never touched it again. Cold turkey. I just got so upset, I quit. Mm. And that's after a lifetime of smoking. Well, whenever the heart attack came, it was almost like you said, Howard, I felt duped. I felt like I had done the dumbest thing in the world I could have to myself. Well, I didn't do it just to myself, Howard. My wife, you know, uh, she, she, could, she could think of a lot of things to do with that money I spend for that hospital bill every month. You know, I've got, I've got almost nine and a half more years left to pay on that thing. She can think of a lot of better things we could be doing with that money besides that. I did it to my kids. I did it to my family. I did it to the people I've worked with. I did it to my mama at the time. She was still alive. Everybody that was associated with me, I did that to them by what I selfishly cho- chose to eat. And I was eating all the bad stuff that gave me the heart attack. I believe that. And I believe that what I eat now is why I will not have another one. I think I am heart-proofing myself, as Dr. Esselstyn likes to say, and some other people. I, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it again. I don't know. Self, self-reliance, self-determination, being responsible, 
finally growing up at the age of 60-something, you know, hey, better late than never, right? right. So you, met, you mentioned uh, Fat Man Rants, a.k.a. Tim Kaufman. Yeah. Um, and so I met you through the group that we're both in, the Missing Chins Run Club. How did you, yes. how did you get involved with that group? Was that Todd who invited you? No, you, I had I'd started on the treadmill and, and, and Betty said, hey, here's a 5K, but you're going to have to run outside. I didn't want anybody to see me run because I was so embarrassed of me running. I thought, yeah, I'm looking like an old man. And uh, so I came, I registered that morning while I was at work during our morning meeting. And uh, so I came home and I told Betty, I said, I need to see if I can run that 5K before the cutoff time. And she said, well, how much time have you got? I said, I think I got one hour to do that 5K. And so I ran outside and I did it in 52 minutes. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> the first time I ran outside. Well, then my son was all excited because he was a runner back in school. And um, so he came a few weeks later and got me my Fitbit watch so that I could track my runs. And I was so in love with that. So then I, I just... I, I couldn't quit. I was so in love with running. I mean, who would have ever thought I was actually running three and four miles outside? It was so cool. Of course, I run like early as possible because nobody's awake at that time of day and they can't see me. So then one night, I'm sitting there on the laptop in the sun. You know, of course, he's in Seattle over there on the other coast. And uh, he says, Dad, there's a guy named Josh Lajani that wants to talk to you. I said, Really? <laughs> what is a Lajani? He says, that's his last name, Dad. He's from Louisiana. I said, oh, well, that explains everything, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I send this text and, you know, or an, an IM and I get this thing back. And, and uh, next thing I know, there's this deal, which I'm going to frame in a big picture someday. I think I'm going to put it on the whole wall right there. And he said, hey, Brother Chins, let's welcome Ray Martin to the Missing Chins Run Club, and uh, he just had a triple bypass, and he's fixing to run his first 5K. And I thought, who are these people? <laughs> so I look, I watched the videos, you know, um, the Good Morning America and all that stuff, and I thought, I think I'm gonna go ball for a little while. I can't believe these guys would have anything to do with me. I think I'm the oldest guy, you know. I don't even know, but. Um, um, I only met him online, and the support from the Missing Chins Run Club to me was so – it was so deep. Mm. And plus, Howard, I found that I still had a passion for competition. But the best thing about this is now my biggest competitor is that old fat guy who used to never run anything but his mouth. And when I uh, – two weeks ago Saturday when I finished the uh, – the uh, the B and O half marathon up there in Washington State with my son, um, I, I I broke my half marathon record by 20 minutes, and I was so proud of that, and I was so proud when I went through the the the, the finish thing and rang the bell. Somebody, one of the the official photographers, came up behind me and took a picture of my back, and I'm wearing one of the first Missing Chins Run Club shirts that I ever had and on the back it says you know stop looking for the excuse just do the work and they took this most beautiful picture when they snapped it I had just gone through the the, the bell and rang it and I, yeah, I was so 
ah, I was so happy. Man. And then this guy comes up and he says, hey, mister, what's the missing chins thing all about? Now, oh, let me tell you. So <laughs> I go over there and in a few minutes I thought, yeah, I'm giving him too much info. I need to go. So anyway, I every time I'm in an official event, I will wear a missing chins run club shirt. Um, I didn't get to meet a lot of them until October of that year when I was at Children of the Cane in Port Louise, Louisiana participating in a 100-mile six-man relay, which started like at 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. And when we finished Sunday morning, it was close to 5.30 or 6 in the morning. I ran my second leg across a live railroad track, which had a bridge that went over a running stream going through that. (laughs) You don't have streams in the bayou. I mean, it was swamp, okay? And I thought, if a train comes, I'm going to have to get off this track and get down in the swamp. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. And my wife has nearly killed me every time I bring that subject up. I can't believe you would do something so crazy, right? I mean, the cane fields out there were like 15 feet tall. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, nothing's out there except the Boggy Creek Monster. Now, why he left the swamps, I don't know. But it's spooky, okay? But I never felt so alive, and it was so cool. And whenever we got there and we finished and we're holding our medals, which happens to be this one right here. Yeah, Children of the Cane. That is, wow, that's one of my favorite. That's where I first met and shook hands and hugged a lot of the Missing Chin brothers who now, oh, my gosh, I'm going to start bawling if I keep going with that one. <laughs> well, it, t- it sounds like it's a, it's a group that even though you had this, experience there was still the entire world trying to invalidate it for you and here was a group of people who had all lived it too it's like i'm not crazy yeah uh, it was like and 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 howard look at the stories of some of those guys it is phenomenal i just lost 82 pounds i just had a little old triple bypass that's no big deal compared to what some of these guys have been through and they've come out they were battle-worn. They had some scars from the war that they fought, and they still fight it. They still work at it. And and on top of that, they started running. And they're like me. A lot of them are like, yeah, I never thought about running. Running's not the big deal. Running didn't do it for me. Running is the blessing of what I did to myself by changing my lifestyle, changing my food, and changing my belief system. Running has been nothing but a blessing. And the Missing Chins Run Club, I'll start bawling about them. You give me half a chance. Yeah. Boy, you come across that finish line. Oh, oh my gosh. When they're all out there yelling for you. And, and you know, uh, we I think we've all been adopted by Mama Lajani. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're her kids. She thinks she's got three. Hey, add all that weight up, Mama Lajani, and see how much your children have lost. <laughs> It's, it's it's a family that goes beyond belief, and it's such an honor to be a part of them. And tell uh, tell, tell, tell me about um, Leadville this year. <laughs> Leadville. First, tell, we, tell us you know tell, like for people who don't know, just kind of describe the the race and the setting, and then what your yeah, experience was. Leadville is like uh, a religious pilgrimage, especially for our Missing Chins Run Club. Um, it has been up to this point, and I foresee it to be that. 
they come from all over the world to a little bitty place out in Colorado where at one time it was a very thriving community of, of, of mining. We visited some of the mines there and got the tours. It was just unbelievable. I am going to research. When I get through learning everything there is to know about whole food plant-based and the power of plants, <laughs> I'm going to start looking at mining how did those people went into those hills in those days a long time ago they rode donkeys they walked they had a cart that got pulled by horses and they lived through those horrible winters and those summers and they dug in the ground and they mined and they mined and they brought riches after riches out of that place but there came a time when leadville all of a sudden wasn't doing any mining and they were dying. The little town, there was no other reason for anyone to be there. So a gentleman, and I can't remember his name at this point. I've got a card from him and several pictures of him. Is it Gordon? What, yeah, the gentleman that started it uh, brought the Tahumite Indians there in the early days. And it became a, a uh, not a marathon, a ultra, an ultra marathon mecca where all the greatest runners of the world did. Some of those early days, there were satellite dishes out there and every news network around the world was there. It became a huge event and they didn't have just the 100 mile or the marathon, a half marathon. They do all kinds of bike riding marathons now and, and it's a beautiful place. We're going back next year. I signed up the day I got home to go back next year and do it again. So you go up to this place in the original run uh, you start there in Leadville, and and everybody runs up this hill, and it's like you climb thousands of feet. I was born in a place called Level Land, Texas. I went to school in a place called Plain View, just a little bit north of, <laughs> of Flatland America. Okay, they've got mountains there. They're real mountains. They're huge. You go up to almost 14,000 feet from the city of Leadville up to the turnaround point um, at Mosquito Pass, and then you come back down. I'm not sure whether going up is as bad as it is coming down. There was a three-time Olympian person lady there running that race this year, and she said that was the hardest race she's ever been in. Of course, she went the full marathon, but bless her heart, I appreciate her saying that because little old – Ray thought it was a pretty rough half of marathon, but the scenery is incredible. Um, I believe Josh Lajani actually was standing next to a guy who took a picture of a black bear who bounced across the path and uh, nobody got bit, you know, but uh, there were several people there. Um, uh, Jeff Giffen actually saw that bear prior to him crossing the road when he was off in the, in the brush over here. I, it was thirty something. It was thirty degrees when we started, and it was like, man. By the time we got through, I was sweat. I was sweating like crazy. My bag, my water bag, was empty. But the best thing about it was a finishing cup. Who's the brother that's doing the film? Um, the missing chin, one of the originals. Um, Jason. Yes. Jason Cohen. Yes. He handed me my cup when I came across the finish line at five hours and 18 minutes, which I was very proud of. I was hoping for no more than six. So I beat my beat my expectation. But there's something mystical about Leadville, Colorado in the Leadville heavy half or the marathon. By the way, in August, I believe this year or next, Josh Lejani is going to back and going to do the 100 mile. Wow. 
Leadville's mystical. You need to go visit it. They need your support. Damn, we I, don't th I think you may have just convinced me to go back. Oh, good. I'll be there next year, Howard. All let's right. Do let's do F it. Fine. Hey, by the way, I think this year, I think next year, there's some talk, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to support this. We're going to have a shirtless Missing Chins Run Club Day where none of us put on our shirt. Nice. We're, talk we're talking about it because the image that we still carry of the old fat guy, uh -huh. it's like we went to a 4th of July uh, party at my, my, my wife's oldest son's house. I've known these people for 20 years, and I just couldn't take off my shirt in front of them. I was still seeing myself as a fat man, like I was seeing myself as a fat man when I started running in March of 2018. I didn't want anybody to see me, and I had a shirt on then. But yeah, I'm, I need to get over that. I'm not a fat guy anymore. I'm wearing 30s, not 40s. You know, I'm wearing – this is a small shirt from from uh, the Fort Worth Cowtown Marathon, which was my first official half marathon that I ran this year with my son and his friend, uh, girlfriend Alex from Seattle. Uh, yeah, man, it's it's life is too good, Howard. How can we be killing ourselves and drugging ourselves down with these the salt and the sugar and the oil that? We've got so much wonderful life to live. Our bodies are so resilient. If we give them the right fuel, look at the things that we can get involved in. You don't have to run to lose weight. You don't have to lift weights. Just eat the right food. But then when you find out that the food has this power that it shares and leaves off on your account, and you're just sitting here thinking, gee, I feel like doing something. It'll probably be something that you've never dreamt of doing before and something you'll love doing the rest of your life. And it'll carry you until you slide into home base and say, wow, that was fun. Hmm. That's what life is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be having fun. We're supposed to be breaking barriers and doing things. I, get old. I'll shave my hair off before I dye my hair, but I'll guarantee you one thing. I'll have the hair flowing in the wind of a young man's heart. Man, plants do a lot for you, Howard. <laughs> right. I the power of the plant. So that's how, that's how I came across Tim Kaufman. Gotcha. <laughs> Did I get away from that question? No, no, it was fine. It was fine. So I... <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go sign up for Fettville now. Um, so, so um, tell folks where they can find you. I know you have a website. You're active on social media. Yeah, I'm trying to learn how to use Instagram as old man skin and bones. Yeah, you have to spell all that out. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm I'm not doing very well at Twitter, but I still try. On Facebook is where I've had my most success under Ray Martin. That's where I started a long time ago, and I, I also did a lot of gardening under that, which I'd love to talk to you about your garden someday, too. Probably mm -hmm. not on an interview, but there is also a website on or a site on Facebook called Old Man Skin and Bones. My oldest son had been serving uh, in a job overseas, came back and saw me. That summer that I had started running in 2018, if I'm no 2017, 
and I was I was I had not lost all the weight I had lost up to that point. I mean, I st- it was only like at seventy six pounds weight loss. And I mentioned how that there was a research by Doctor McDougall and one of his people, and also uh, another fellow that I read a lot of, uh, Eat to Live, and. Um, they were saying that I still at 158 pounds needed to lose about 15 more pounds, which would put me at 140. And he said, are you kidding me? Of course, he's never seen me this skinny, okay? And he said, you're nothing but an old man with skin and bones on your arms. And it it really kind of hurt. It also upset me enough that I said, that does it. And I wrote down, old man skin and bones and I put it on the treadmill over there and uh, I thought I'll show you an old man you know I'm gonna I'm gonna start lifting weights and I started that's when I started my treadmill journey so really a few months later I was thinking you know somebody everybody kept saying you need to write this stuff down you need to make a journal of it blah 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 so I said I'm by myself all by myself with me and YouTube I went and figured out how to start my own website and uh, I went in and put the pictures, and Lord knows I need to change those pictures, but I dread going back to do that again. I need some 10-year-old to help me with my website, <laughs> and I'm too cheap to pay a professional. So I'll figure it out one of these days and change those pictures, which are getting to be nearly two and a half years old. But yeah, Old Man Skin and Bones is is my website, but it's it's more used at this point on Facebook, Old Man Skin and Bones, and I usually post stuff. A whole bunch of times a day. Sometimes I'm not real happy and positive in it, though, Howard. Um, That's one thing I've always enjoyed about some of the people I love and follow, like Fat Men Rants, Tim Kaufman, his wife now, Heather, uh, the way that she has come on and just blossomed. Um, They're so positive. They're so happy. And I am more happy than I've ever been before, but I still get a little upset about some things. I'm working on it, though. I'm not exactly booty yet, okay? But oh. I'm, uh, I'm working on that piece. And sometimes I think my stuff is funny. My wife rolls her eyes at me, so, you know, y'all can have some little critique of it there. I don't care. It's not a problem. But, yeah, I've got more friends on Facebook now uh, at work. Oh, my goodness gracious. I, I got home late today because somebody wanted to talk to me about a medical situation. And I said, okay, how many books you want? You know, how many recipe pages you want me to print out? I said, here's some videos. I gave him two videos, uh, the DVDs of, of Eating You Alive and Forks Over Knives. I said, watch those. Watch them several times. Bring them back when you're through with them. Mm. Uh, yeah, just it's exciting. Some of the most exciting time I have is when people say, you've lost 82 pounds. Where do you get your protein? Oh, my goodness. How can you live like that? Don't you miss this? Don't you miss that? And I say, Man, you know, when the stalk of a broccoli, that part that most people throw away or gripe about that they have to pay food for in the frozen section, they put all those chunks of the stalk of the broccoli in on that bag you had to buy in the frozen mm-hmm. section. Howard, that part of the broccoli's gotten to where it tastes like candy to me. Hmm. I'm, even Dr. Esselstyn and his wife, uh, is it Ann? They throw that stem of the kale away. I don't, Howard. I eat it. It tastes like candy. Sometimes I'm serious. It tastes like a candy cane. Well, not peppermint, but, you know, how kale can taste sweet. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, we can adapt. 
my change, my tongue, my taste have changed. It's incredible. My carrots are like candy. Oh my goodness gracious, yeah. And yeah, uh, it's it. It everything's changed. It's gotten to be great. So all right. Well, well Ray, thank you so much for for uh, for your inspiration for telling your story yeah. today. So someday I will ask you about the submarine story, and someday I'll talk to you about my garden. Exactly. Uh, uh, that submarine story is pretty good. Right, At least uh, I think this. Thank look, you for having me. Uh, it's a great a great honor to meet you, and uh, I'll see you in the chins. You bet in Leadville, uh, right? All right. <laughs> I'll do it. All right. We'll see you there. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Is Ray a hoot or what? So if you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you'd like to support our mission, you can do so in a bunch of ways. You can subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can become a patron of the show. Just go to Patreon and search for Plant Yourself, and an ongoing monthly contribution will make a big difference in how much time I get to spend in the quality that I can put into the equipment and the editing and the processing. And if I ever get enough money to hire someone to help with social media, I can grow this to the point where there's other guests that I can approach that right now, honestly, I'm a little bit small fry to, uh, to even be in conversation with. As you may know, this podcast is available for everyone and it's paid for by listener subscribers. Next week, actually, my guest is a big fry or a big air fry, as uh, the whole food plant based people would have it. Uh, can't say his name yet because we haven't recorded and I don't want to uh, give false hope. We are planning on recording tomorrow, but he is a luminary. His work has probably changed the way I coach and teach and train more than anything I've read in the last, I would say, five to 10 years. So I'm really excited to uh, be able to share him with you. Following that, we also have Benjamin Alter on Healing from Within, um, interviews with Carly Assay, who is the creator of Unsupersize Me and has a couple of movies that have come out afterwards. Uh, Gwyn Whitaker, who has a plant-based, whole food plant-based, no oil, SOS restaurant outside of Washington, D.C. and Herndon, Virginia. And lots more great episodes and great shows, some of them in the can, some of them on the calendar and waiting to happen. So uh, keep supporting the show and this stuff will keep coming your way. Garden news, exciting. The first grapes are ripe. They're smaller than usual. I was, I think they've probably been ripe for a week or so, but I was just waiting for them to get to their normal size. They are small. They are not as sweet as they've been in the past, but heck, they're edible and there's a lot of them. So it's time for some hard chewing of these very thick skinned, heavily seeded scuppernung grapes. They're, they're not the, you know, you can overeat on them kind of grapes. You can just sort of pop in your mouth the seedless ones. Uh, these, are, uh, these are natural attainable quantity grapes that uh, will fit any lifestyle and any diet. Um, what else? In running news, I uh, did 12 on the tobacco trail on Saturday, and my foot does not hurt. The only thing that hurts is my pride because I was, I was aiming for a sub-10 12 miler and I came in at about 1015 average. So the old stamina needs to be built back up. Um, but the foot is not hurting. So yippee. All right, let's talk about thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace, is the theme music for this show. Check out willridenauer.com for more. He let me use this music for absolutely free. So the only way I repay him is by... Uh, 
letting people know about his website and about his work. So if you've been interested and want to hear more uh, different uh, expansive uh, variety of his music. That's W-I-L-L-R-I-D-E-N-O-U-R.com. Please uh, support him and uh, as a way of thanking him for what he's given to me and to us. And last and most, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Here we go. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Vizek, Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldnick, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Don Franja, Nick Janet Bedham, Neil David Odigan, Hugh. <laughs> Blair Seibert, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Funderburg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, A Plant Happy Organ, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Miriam Blum, Theresa Cobble, Shell Rulers, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Herzman, Kate Rolls. Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Home Hedegaard, Isa Tuzanwak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva L, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Cherry Orlikoski, Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Arvins, Colin Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan Bacorny. Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Elf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bayshore, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, and Holly Butler for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. All right. Time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, The Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenauer.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. 
Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Tom Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner with Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The Equally Mysterious, Tracy Z, Aviva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lenneman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harperson, Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, The Inscrutable, Harry R., Susan Laverty, The Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, The Plant, Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon Hirschman, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Olakoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divid, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Lenane Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Leenan. Petty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Kartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>